I'm Matt Courtright. And I'm Levon Dunn. Kevin Flynn. The man, the myth, the legend. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't go that far, but I appreciate it. Yeah, I Thanks. love your humbleness. <laughs> yeah. So Kevin and I just met yesterday. We don't really even know each other. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The untold story of Pacific Northwest rugby. There's a lot to it. Yeah, yeah there's a lot to it. You know, I mean, uh, in the 60s, you know, rugby was here, you know, and uh, so I'm the president of Seattle Rugby Club, right? It's been around since 66. Um, and, uh, you know, when all, all these years later, when we're talking about pro rugby, I mean, you know, Beach and Seattle combined and and really, our dream was that we were going to get to where we are now, you know, and that was getting guys together that, uh, you know, were struggling in their own rugby environments. And then we got together and it built from there and there. And, and we really worked to get to where we're at today. And I mean, you know, Seattle Rugby Club's logo is obviously, uh, you know, an, an orca, you know, and uh, Seawolves is an orca. That's not a coincidence, yeah. right? So, but, you know, there's a lot of other clubs in the Northwest. You know, Chuck and Tacoma, Eastside Valley, Mud Hens, Men, Women wheelchair rugby, you know, which we'll talk about in a minute, but uh, there's a rich history here, um, and by bringing the Seawolves, you know, or creating the Seawolves in the Northwest, which I was lucky to be, you know, one of three guys that helped create that, was really a cherry on the cake, you know, I mean, it's, but it's not what it was all about, right, you know, because uh, at the end of the day, rugby's for everybody, Yes. Right? And uh, we're, we're proud about saying that, and as rugby players and rugby people, we say it all the time. But then you start to realise, when I retired from playing competitively, I started to realise, wow, people don't actually know the real benefits of rugby. Yes, right? which is more than just a game, and more than just a meal after the game. Oh. There's so much more to the depth. I never once in my life questioned whether I would have a job, a place to live, the opportunity to travel, more friends. And that didn't matter what level of rugby I played. And then when I stopped playing, I started to realize, you know, you ask yourself, like, where am I going next in my rugby career? Because your rugby career doesn't end. Like, your playing career ends. Right. Right, but your rugby career doesn't end. You know, it's, and then you start thinking about, well, all the jobs I found, the people I found, the fun I had, you know, the girlfriends I met, the wife I married, right? You know, so yes. all of a sudden these things are, you know, you start to not take it, take it for granted. You know, and then you start talking to the players that you played with all these years, and some guys have come from real bad situations. Um, Ex-gang members, you know, people who have been with PTSD, military guys who we work with on a daily basis, you know, who, uh, who need help and need that camaraderie and all that. And, and all of a sudden, you start telling that story uh, to the people on the outside, and they're unaware of it. You know, they thought it was just about playing rugby for eight minutes on Saturday afternoon. And that's that's that's, that's actually like, the smallest part of it. It's the cherry on top. It's just the cherry of it. Yeah. So when it comes to it comes to like uh, uh, the culture in the United States, and it comes to the and what we were talking about uh, before we came on, uh, the, the importance of, uh, of uh, support in community and everything like that. How how can we um, build that? I mean, just just in just by community by community, but also like in, uh, in North America or United States. How, how do we, how do we, uh, I guess, uh, communicate or, or uh, uh, convey those values of rugby? I think, yeah, you set the examples. You get engaged, right? I mean, if you're if you're running a company, there's a lot of people own their own businesses and that. And how many companies go? We want to be involved in a community program. But why is that? Because then your employees want to work for that company and they want to stay there. It's no different with a rugby program, you know. And when uh, we were, I was lucky to be passionate and, and I was blessed to be part of 
some people's lives where if it wasn't for our involvement, they would have taken their own lives. You know, so once you've experienced that, all of a sudden this goes in a whole different direction. And, you know, the, we are surrounded by things that we can be involved in on a daily basis, right? So, you know, how, how do we engage our community? There's special needs events we can go to. We can unload wheelchairs for the wheelchair rugby team, right? We can go down and, uh, um, you know, help uh, uh, at schools and, and engage and take our, our athletes that have come from bad situations. We've got mentorship programs at Thomas Jefferson High School. We've gone down the Rainier Beach with athletes that have come from those neighborhoods, right? And all of a sudden, you know, these, it's not hard because these things are all around us. We just have to be part of it. We Boys and girls club for how many years in Federal Way now? Oh, I mean, oodles. Yeah. yeah. I mean, since 18, yeah. if I remember right. Yeah. And the interesting thing is, when you're giving back to your community, the people that give back to you the most is, is your own players. You know, to, to your question, you know, you start looking at the best programs in the world. Saracens in London, you know, and Seattle Rugby Club is affiliated with Saracens. You know, you sit there yeah. and, and I talked to the CEO at the time and we'd have an hour and a half conversation and none of it would be about rugby. It would be about how they uh, volunteer their time for autistic children. But all of a sudden, the players didn't want to go anywhere. They wanted to be part of that program. Yeah. You know, Saracens went down the division. The players got their wages cut by 40%. Did they leave? No. Right? Imagine having a business that did that. You could cut someone's wages by 40% and they still want to stay and work for you. What does that say about your culture within your program? Right? So... Uh, yeah, so North, Northern Hemisphere, you know, so many people want to be a Saracen, and Southern Hemisphere, everyone wants to be a Crusader. True. Right? Why is that? You know, we talked about the All Blacks in the kitchen. It's like, when we talk about the All Blacks, it's like a spiritual thing. You know? <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's so much more than a game again. So much more than a game. You know? So, if you can instill that within your program, and, and, and the reality is, it's not hard, you know, because we're surrounded. The, your players are from the people that need help. Right, we, like we had to do a, a luau, right? I realised we we're talking in the kitchen about um, social events, right? You know, we went through Black Lives Matter and it made you question so many things, right? And uh, we have such a diverse group, and then all of a sudden you're like, well, just a minute, why is some of our guys, uh, people of colour, not coming to the bars, or some of the Polynesian guys? And like, well, all these years we went, well, we have drink cuts at the Irish pub, right? well, just a minute, a lot of them don't drink, and we're just expecting those guys. That's not fair. So then we're like, well, look, we need to experience each other's cultures, you know. So then yeah. the club would put on a luau, we'd raise the money, and the players, everyone would engage in it. The Gian, Tom, and Samoan uh, groups would put on, you know, put on dances, and we'd do uh, um, touch rugby that day. All of a sudden, we're all engaged in each other's cultures, and these things are already happening. It's not like yeah. mm-hmm. it's not like we have to reinvent the wheel. We just, just acknowledge it, acknowledging it, you know, and being part of it. You know, there's things all the time where players, we can get our players to show up and, and be part of it. And initially, they're like, you know, they're young men, young women, and they're like, eh. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. but I can tell you now, guys that I know have been to special needs events have come away and gone, wow, you know. And and luckily, this isn't just Seattle Rugby Club. We're, we're trying to engage Rugby Washington, which is the youth union, and, yeah. you know, Panafi, which is the adult union, and them to share all the opportunities for us to engage our community. Because guess what? We can't stand on a chair and just shout rugby louder <laughs> and expect to fill a stadium. Yeah. We have to be engaged in what other people are passionate about. You know, we've got a lot of military connections. You know, um, there's, you know, there's 100,000 people affiliated in Fort Lewis. That's 20, yeah, it's 30 minutes away from the stadium. Mm-hmm. Right? How do we connect with, 
with veterans? How do we connect with um, people who serve? Their families that are looking to do things, you know. And and we have multiple veterans in the program that support that we support, and they we've given them the opportunity to support veterans as well. And all of a sudden, now we're seeing people who are non-rugby people coming to games. You know, a funny story was we went to uh, year year one. We went and played Glendale. And my mate was the manager for Glendale. I went to college with him. And I said to him, you want to, why don't you give Denver Harlequins wheelchair team? Why don't you give them 30 tickets for the game? And I'd already given him my tickets. He didn't know that, right? And uh, anyway, I knew he would, he's not a bad person. I knew he'd just be, yeah, yeah, great idea. Just carry on, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, sure enough, he sat down. He's in the booth right there. And I'm in the booth here. And all the wheelchair guys start coming in. It's all they came anyway, you know. And I went, no, no, no. That's what I was trying to explain to him. That was a phone call. That's all that was, was a phone call. And now, guess what? We know people will love rugby, but we've got to get them in the door first. Yeah, we've got to let them fall in love with the collision. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 <laughs> and also, you know, and the sport itself, but also, which non-rugby people experience, is like, well, they're not expecting to sit in a crowd with such a diverse group, and yeah. everyone's having fun. Yeah, yeah. You yeah, know? you can ask those questions that you think are lame, and people are like, oh, no, let me, like, you know, mm-hmm. you'll hear somebody like, I never met this person. I just saw him like two minutes ago and they're explaining the game to me with a smile on their face. And like, wow, like yeah. you don't get that anywhere else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. That's, and that's some of the things, you know, when we're sitting set in the stands together, uh, him, him and I have uh, seats right next to each other. Yeah, in the, uh, that's how our friendship part. kicked off. That's right. Yeah. In all sincerity. And then yeah. we realized, yeah. dude, our parents live by each yeah. other. <laughs> we we literally a hundred miles away. <laughs> Yeah, and and we're like, and we start sharing. I'm like, WTF, man! Our yeah. parents know each other now. We know each other. This is pretty cool. So we well. probably crossed paths a hundred times. Have, we have, we have met like in Pacific, in Pacific Beach. We were blessed, right? Yeah, so, rugby. I mean, rugby's the same, right? It's, yeah, right. it's a yeah. small world. Yeah, exactly. That's an I. That's an underestimation, yeah, right there. Exactly. Like, and that's wow, which is fantastic. Like minds, you right? Know? Yeah. You know, you're. You know, say there's six degrees of separation. I mean, Seattle or Washington, I mean, and then rugby on top of it, it's like three, you know, you're yeah. going to find rugby, you know, so. And I think for each program, it's finding, it's finding something that brings people together. You know, it's great to see such more, uh, you know, back in the day when I first come here, there was, you know, a Tongan team, a Samoan team, a Fijian team. Yeah. And, and then I was at a rugby club, and we had a couple of Fijians and an African-American, but now, this change which is fantastic. You know, there's more diverse diversity, but with those cultures and difference in cultures, what can we? How can we collectively bring them together to be go for the same thing? You know, for Seattle Rugby Club, it was TSPDS, right? You know, which which stands for you know the shit people don't see. <laughs> now, when we're with kids, that's the stuff so people don't see, right? When we're kids, right, yeah. <laughs> but but ultimately, what did that do? That when the seawalls arrived. And, and, it, and it was making sure people did things for the right reasons. You're working hard when people aren't working hard. You're engaged in your community, not just because the lights are on and it's game time. Mm, you know, yeah. it's what people don't see makes you not just as a rugby player, as a person. And now there's guys. Now you talk about that culture. That's five years old. Now there's guys with that tattooed on, right? Yeah. And one of our players, uh, Brandon, who played for the Seawolves against San Diego, three of the guys have not played for the Seawolves before. Done. Brandon went down there, and on his on his wrist was TSPDS. You know, and I was even yeah. crying in the changing room when we're getting ready. You know, I'm like, what? Well, he's brought that to a professional rugby game, and that guy started playing rugby in November, October. Wow. wow. Yes. Wow. I played in the first rugby game you ever played in with him. 
I went down there to coach him, and I ended up being on the field, which is stupid. We were playing awesome in a cup match, and I went down to manage and coach the program. And next thing you know, I'm on the field with my boots on. Like, but yeah, that was his first game of rugby, and I'm, you know, it was exciting to play, see him where he is now. Wow, what a what a yeah. quick study. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But there's but that's what we were talking about in the kitchen too. The athletes that are we are surrounded by people who just need the opportunity to. That's all they need. Yeah. Right? Coach them to put them in an environment where people care about them. Yeah. They're going to find a job. And what's the worst case scenario? Someone's found a job, got a better life than they had yesterday. Yeah. That, I mean, that's what it's all about for me. Yeah, me and a couple of friends in the process probably too. Absolutely. It's kind of weird. It, uh, I think that's, as a social butterfly that I am, I think this, the social interaction, needless to say, is like just the best icing on the cake I could ever wish for. Because it doesn't matter where you go, you start talking to other people that have the same interest in yeah. rugby, yeah. and you start, do you know so and so? Do you know so? Yeah. And then you find somebody in common, you're like, oh, oh, I remember, you know. And then like the conversation gets, it yeah. starts flowing. Well, and then as you as as that grows, you know, you know, you're involved with all these other things, these other. Now you start talking about, you know, military or veterans programs or doing barbecues for the soldiers recovery unit. And there's someone in the room who's like, what? Who? Yeah, and then it's like. Well, I don't know anything about rugby, but that sounds cool. I want to be part of that. Yeah. Okay, come along. I want to say, was was it during the pandemic, Kevin, that you put a group of people together and they drove by a person's house? Oh, for yeah. Their, for a, for a, I, I couldn't remember if it was for a birthday or what no, cause it, it was No, it, um, it was a special needs athlete. He was a young, a young guy. He was, he was 10 or 11 years old, and he was really struggling through COVID. And uh, Special Olympics Washington, I reached out to him and said, is there any, you know, because with COVID being, and, and obviously, you know, um, they're susceptible more, some of them are more susceptible, so, so we had to keep our distance and stuff. But um, we got wind that he needed, he needed interaction. So we got the whole team together. We all met in a parking lot. Uh, we went down. I gave him a challenge coin, which, which is a big thing from our club, which is a military tradition, but we have it. Uh, and we gave him a jersey and gave him stuff. We laid it out on the lawn and stuff, you know, and we did a drive-by way. Wave, wave to him and, and kind of a, a distance fist pump and look it was fantastic and um but once again who benefited from that it wasn't just one person no you know everyone benefited from that like you know what why would i play for this club and not that club well when you start doing those kind of things it's like that separates you pretty quickly you know and, and hopefully every, what we're trying to do is hopefully every club does that so that everyone everyone you know, rises, elevates elevates yeah. you know it's like the wheelchair wheelchair rugby guys you know i remember first time i met jeremy and those guys and i mean it was i never thought i'd be engaged doing that stuff next day i'm doing the scoreboard at tournaments you know and uh you know he's a welder and i asked him if he would weld well this stuff and um that's our logo and he, so now we have all of our trophies made for the rugby club for our awards dinner so when a player receives something it's meaningful it's come from someone's hand you know uh and, and then he did the seawall for me as well. And, and he's available to do that for anyone else, by the way. Yeah. So I can connect you with him. And, uh, but it supports him, supports his family. So he's actually making 10 trophies for me as we speak for our awards dinner at the end of the month. Yeah. So, you know, it's cool. Yeah, 26. 26, yeah. 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 So, pre-season. I just, uh, just got wind of that right before you showed up, funny enough. And Man, I was like, I, I, I I'm quite doesn't impressed. even know that we're hanging out right now. Uh, Chris Schock. 
Oh, yes. Yeah, we had a conversation yeah, yeah. about He's that. He's now our general manager. He's a good guy for the job. Yes. No, He's yes. a really good guy for the job. We talked about it. He's like, you know, Kevin Flynn called me about this position. I was like, oh, really? Yes. Interesting. I said, you should do it. Yeah, It'd be a good job for him. He's passionate about it. And he's, he's, he's done it. He's done it before for other clubs, yeah. really. So, yeah. like, yeah. you know. And it's, look, it's, we went down with New Orleans. I remember when we were playing Nola. And Ryan is the, is the, uh, the GM down there is Marine. Uh, you know, once Marine, always Marine, right? So, uh, but we get on real well, and he's like, Ryan, Ryan Fitzgerald, is, is, yeah. Yeah. So he's like, you know, how do you, we're talking about, it's year two, we're talking about how we get more people to, to rugby. I said, you know, what about engaging with New Orleans, you know, Special Olympics? He's like, well, we're not sure how, you know, we've got the skill set to, I said, no, just get the tickets, trust me. You know, and he's like, oh, I'm not so sure, but we went out three weeks later. We walk out in the change room, we're high fiving all these special needs athletes going, going out, going out, and that was our tunnel. And I look at him, he's like, Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Like, yeah. I love that New Orleans vibe in general yeah. and that in that stadium. I mean, it may not be the best for rugby, but it is best for for the group atmosphere. It's pretty look it's hot. I'm not a big fan, I'm not gonna lie. That's the word oh, but, but I will say, you know, you walk through, you know, what obviously to the fans, what they don't see, you go through there, you know, they're blessed to have their own stadium, you know, obviously they Seattle's an expensive city, right? But yeah. The reality is you go through there underneath, you know, there's no their mission statements yeah. are on the wall. You know, it's there's constant reminders of who they are, what they're about, you know, so the players are constantly engaged, you know, with why they play for New Orleans, you know, and, and uh, it, I think they're gonna, they've got, they've got, all, they're gonna go places, you know, with yeah. that kind of stuff, because that generates that culture. It's right. Yeah, it's the polar opposite experience that Atlanta has experienced or did experience, should I say? Yeah. Because like in New Orleans, like you're out there, they're tailgating in the parking lot. You don't know, you don't know the daughter of the owner or the brother of the owner and all that fun stuff um, from a random fan. Mm-hmm. And then, and then, and then we got, man, we got, I thought we got spoiled. I mean, it was, it was just being kind is more than all it was, but the, southern, the, the good Southern hospitality. Yeah, yeah. it's real there. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. real there. Like they took Too us for the bad. walks. Like we went to go walk on, we walked on the side of the pitch around to our seats, not, all the way up into the stadium, like every other yeah. Tom, Dick, and Harold, right? Yeah. So, uh, but I mean, that was part of the experience for the fans to go, you know. And yeah. we linked up with other fans, and they're like, "Oh, let's well, look good. let's do this." And that's like that's rugby, though. They, right. If they don't know you, they're gonna be nice to you. But like when it's mutual fans that oh. you have friends in common and that you're part of this tribe, if you will. Yeah. And all of a sudden they're like, "Yeah, oh, no, let's give you the Southern hospitality walk. Yeah. We're just gonna." And they got the music going. It's just, oh my goodness, it is so good. Well, that, that's the culture we're talking about. You know? yep. I mean, I've got we have friends who went to New Zealand, and I, I'm blessed to do work with the Crusaders, so I do some stuff with their high performance guys, right? So all of a sudden, you know, I've got mates who are going back to New Zealand, so I call up and they're going to Christchurch. So I'm like, hey, sure enough, they're out in the field with the team, you know, and because they because we're connected. And they're like, yeah. whereas you think, you know. At that level, they'd be like, oh, no. But our culture doesn't change the higher it gets. You know, I mean, the All Blacks say better people make better All Blacks, right? I mean, at that level. So it's all about looking after the individual. And then the outcome of that is success. You know, not the other way around. If you go for trophies, you won't get one. If you look after people, the outcome will be trophies. Right. 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 That's something I'm worried about, that exact topic, Kevin. That's something I'm worried about in the 
U.S. rugby culture? Well, as we just touched on earlier, you know, it's just, yeah, because look, we, and, and unfortunately with U.S. rugby culture, we're also governed by what other sports culture is in America, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, which is totally win, on the same page. Win, win, yeah. win. And we, so we've gone down that road because it's what we understand here. I'm mean, familiar yeah, with it. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I've been here 25 years. I'm an American citizen. I'm proud of it now, right? But, you know, it's, it's just, it's disappointing just because um, the rest of the world has always looked at the U.S. and gone, oh, my goodness, if they tap into the athletes that they have right. in the United States, we're in trouble. And here we are four or five years into the MLR, and, you know, and, and it's like, are we doing that? You know, well, who's developing these players for us? And then we wonder why the national team might be struggling. You know, well, you know, where are the American players getting enough rugby? And they're not just in the MLR. You know, we've got to show people that pathway. You know, in college, we've got the college draft, which is obviously needed, but there's other pathways too. Yes. You know, club... Yeah. You know, and such yeah. like that. Well, you've got, you know, club rugby is where, you know, where people have developed. It's, it's, I mean, maybe you're only at college for three years, right, three or four years, whereas a club at home, I mean, that's my old club, London Irish, right? I mean, that's been, unfortunately, that's gone now, right? But there was 125 years of history, you know, and it's, uh, and you could play for that club from four years old to your 70 years old. Oh, wow. Right? Because like, when you watch London Irish play on Saturday afternoon, yeah. there's five other teams in that program. And then there's the youth. Then there's the 18s. There's like, the well, it's, it's, a, it's yeah. a club. It's a program. Yeah. You know, and we're not there yet in the U.S., you know. And, but yeah. like, you know, like basketball, it's fed, or football, it's fed by collegiate, those collegiate sports. But what's feeding, what's feeding the MLR? 